0: Welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Ian Harditz, And Today we continue our 32 for 32 series with a look at the Carolina Panthers. Some might have confused them for a contender early on in the 2020 season. Had a nice little three and two start. Things quickly went south after that. Other than the PJ Walker win against the Lions, we did not see them pick up another victory until Week 16. Saw some talent on offense, though. So even with Christian McCaffrey hurt, Mike Davis was my uh, most improved fantasy football player of the year. Love watching that dude run. Obviously, DJ Moore, Robbie. Curtis Samuel, a lot of talent on offense, defense. They devoted every single 2020 draft pick to the unit. So we knew they weren't going to be good. I don't want to say they surpassed expectations, but they at least weren't the single worst defense in the league. Anyway, 2021, not exactly looking like a Super Bowl contender, but at least moving in the right direction. I have a very special guest on here today to help me figure out just what direction the Panthers need to move in. He is the longtime voice of the Road to World Football Podcast, RIP, Aston Villa, and Carolina Panthers diehard, Josh Norris. You can follow on Twitter at Josh Norris. Josh, happy off season and thanks for making the time man.
1: Ian, thank you for inviting me. I always love talking to you. Has not happened often enough, I would say in the last six months. So I'm glad to, you know, catch up on the highs and the lows on all of that and figure out what's ahead for this team in Charlotte, the team that was established in 1995 (laughs) when a young Josh Norris at the age of seven years old, the first season was played down in Clemson, South Carolina, Um, but yes, it was his obsession for a very long time and now he just vaguely follows it every single Sunday around one o'clock kickoffs. Vaguely, you know, you, you devote just, you know, one out of
0: 32 of your attention <laughs> to all teams equally. Uh, no, and look, people, Josh, I even, even though Josh keeps in touch with plenty of uh, beat writers around the Panthers, he is not exclusive to them or anything. But on this podcast, I think it's almost better because Josh, unlike some of the other fine beat reporters we've had uh, throughout this series, obviously has a very good mind for fantasy football and the league landscape as a whole. So hopefully with that, we'll give you the most up to date and just uh i guess uh consequential good whatever the word is uh panthers offseason preview we can we can find we are recording this on march 5th so josh and i are not uh fortune tellers this will be going out a little bit next week but we will see how things go so josh why don't you start, start things off with your top three team needs for the carolina panthers ahead of this offseason
1: well should we go i haven't listened to these but should i go like one by one and then we talk about each or, should, or do you want me to do all three okay yeah let's go one and talk I mean, number one has to be quarterback. Number one has to be quarterback. And it is fascinating the discourse and just how open the Panthers have been about wanting to upgrade that quarterback position. I don't know how much we want to look in the past or how much we want to be forward thinking here, but it is absolutely clear that inside that organization, from the top down of the owner, David Tepper, to Matt Rule, to bring in a new general manager, Scott Fitterer, that worst case scenario in their mind is to go into 2021 with Teddy Bridgewater, which Ian, what they think was going to happen. Like we, we all knew that if you drafted, uh, excuse me, if you signed Teddy Bridgewater, you would probably be a six and 10 five and 11 organization. Now you mentioned that they won three games in the first six weeks or five weeks of the season. And so, you know, at the time, maybe we thought that they'd be a little bit better than we expected, but the end result was exactly what we expected. So to me, it's fascinating to consider, Hey, what did Teddy show them or the lack thereof to be completely out on that, which I also think it has completely sped up the process to find that next passer. And if it's a veteran or if it's a rookie it was bad josh i think
0: you know teddy's one of these guys put him there with alex smith you know whenever any player overcomes such a bad injury like these guys did you want to root for him we did root for him we root for every player it just didn't work out with teddy 15 passing touchdowns with those receivers dj moore curtis samuel Robbie anderson it's just unacceptable and honestly for me like i was surprised to see teddy get back to moving the way he was doing i mean because with the saints you look at it i mean he played for the saints for two years he had 36 rushing yards and six starts i mean he averaged you know 19 rushing yards per game last year he should have a little bit more off script ability. And I even remembered him doing with the Vikings. It just wasn't enough. At least the organization seems to realize already that's not enough because to your point, every single one of these, whether it's Watson, whether it's any quarterback that's been flowed on trade talks, the Panthers name has been associated with all of them.
1: They offered the number eight overall pick for Matthew Stafford. <sighs> I mean, that has already been reported. And look, I, I like Matthew Stafford. He'd obviously be an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater, but that just shows you what this team is absolutely willing to do. And I mean, it's pretty clear that their plan from the start, I think, and based on the contract that he has signed, that Teddy was going to start in year one. And that was, you know, part of it was Marty Herney wanting to keep his job. And we know that so many moves around the league are made for these general managers, for these head coaches to keep their job. But then, I mean, Matt rule had obviously a, a connection with Teddy as well. And it just makes you understand from their perspective, like you said, they've been bad. They were awful in the red zone last year. And outside of those moments where Teddy was able to create outside of structure, you could see, and you could tell that their faith in him was declined. So again, that has sped this up where I'm not so sure. And while David Tepper, when he came in and became the owner of the Panthers, he preached patience, he preached process. I don't think he's truly that patient of a person while he might say that when moves are made in the beginning, it's only going to take a year, two years for him to get to this point where he's at the quarterback position. And I would be shocked if it's not a veteran. Like I I don't think he's willing to be patient now with Teddy another year. And then you, you know, slowly develop and bring in a rookie quarterback at number eight, they're not going to get, you know, the quarterback. That's number one, probably even number two on their board. So I expect them to go, as far as they can give up any asset imaginable to go and get one of these top veteran quarterbacks. That's either top five or top 10. There's only one veteran quarterback we want. Come on. Uh, I mean, I think that they would be happy with Deshaun obviously or Russ. Or Russ. or Russ. That's fair.
0: I, I'm still like not fully bought into these Russ trade possibility, but by the day it's getting more and more realistic. I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago about the most fun trade destinations for, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, just not even considering the salary cap. Carolina Panthers came in at number five. And if you want to even look at the more realistic situation with it, I do think that they have a better chance than most to maybe just overhaul, uh, you know, the send Texans all the first round picks they can handle. We will see. I don't love the free agents QB class in terms no. of, you know, uh, spot starters under Cody Brissett, Trubisky, if it's
1: Fitzpatrick. And barring Dak, barring Dak from that conversation because exactly. that doesn't really count. Barring Dak. So please, let's
0: get the Sean Watson, the Panthers. I would love to see him with all those weapons. And yeah, to your point, maybe even if they don't use, they've got to do something though. They can't just come back with only Teddy.
1: Correct. Yeah. And- I was even told by someone in the NFL that Marty Herner should be forced to bring Teddy Bridgewater to him with him to DC, like, because (laughs) that was the move that he made. And now the Panthers are are stuck with him. And again, (laughs) you you might have these projects that are, are played out, but as soon as the ownership comes in, then a quicker decision can be made. But I also think some of that might be the benefit because he's never going to question Scott Fitter or Matt rule and say, Oh, you gave up too much for this quarterback. Like in his mind, There is not that limit for any of these um, type of of veterans. So I I hope they make it. And if not, it's just going to be another, I'm not going to say wasted year in 2021, but they just do not have enough, I guess, consistent talent, like fully developed talent across the entire roster to get one of those middling quarterbacks to be able to produce a winning season. I don't think, but I think it's, I think it's a major positive that that they were even able to keep Joe Brady a second year, and not just have him leave after one year.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little more about uh, Brady and Rule's debut seasons, but certainly, again, like uh, schematically and what they seem to be doing on offense, two thumbs up here. Just unfortunately didn't have the right guy under center. Hopefully, they get that solved. Josh, what is your second team
1: need ahead of this offseason? Offensive line. I know that's five positions, <laughs> but uh, we're going to keep it simple and just go with offensive line. And I would even say if all five starters were returning Ian, it would still be a need. But I think that there's a possibility where five of the six offensive linemen and snaps from last season aren't on the roster (laughs) heading into 2021, which is remarkable because we talk about quarterbacks, we talk about wide receivers, talk about running backs, talk about defense all the time. To me, creating a, consistency on your offense. Like when you look at the teams that make the playoffs and sustain success in the playoffs, the key to that is a talented and healthy offensive line and the Panthers have neither right now. I mean, what they did was they traded Trey Turner to go get Russell Okun because their new offensive line coach had a relationship with Russell Okun. He was in and out of that lineup at left tackle had an expiring contract and now he's a free agent to me and a player i've loved since coming out of college has been taylor moten at right tackle and if there's any player who's heading into free agency for the team that deserves a franchise tag it would be taylor moten but he also deserved a contract prior to last season and the team dragged their heels and now he's probably going to get you know top 5 right tackle money because he is absolutely fantastic then you have an old matt paradis at center and he might be a cut candidate and look There's a whole bunch of other names I could mention. And there have been some teams in recent years that have done a really good job of reworking their entire offensive line structure. The Buffalo Bills a couple of years ago, like bringing in seven names for five spots and just figuring out what works. The Panthers are going to be in that group. And maybe this is a good year for that because there's going to be some players getting cut and some shorter term deals, but that's a lot of work to do along with fixing other elements of the team as well.
0: It's Bad man, they just haven't done a good job at all of devoting resources to this group. You mentioned Taylor Moden, that's great, but him and Greg Little, those are the only two times over the past six years they've even used a top three round draft pick on the offensive line. Right now, with just 2021 $20, dollars devoted to the offensive line group, three teams are under 25 million. The Dolphins sitting there at 24.6 million, the Seahawks at 23 million, the Panthers are at 13 million. They're awful. a full 10 million underneath the next softest team and spending. I mean, yeah, you brought up the Bills. I actually think even Know, it didn't work as well the jets over the past couple of years have done an okay job just throwing a bunch of resources at it like go get your quarterback but after that we need a ton of help on the offensive line they're almost like the nfc version of the broncos in that i mean we got the receivers there but get us a little more stability on the center not to throw my guy drew locker in the bridge but more than anything let's get that offensive line because as Gray's mccaffrey has still been in this situation they haven't even been that good at run blocking whether it's a draft free agency i mean we could argue i mean obviously they're going to just kind of make the quarterback that's going to be you know a one swing kind of hitter in terms of a trade, but offensive line, you know, it's the second team need, but that could be priority two, three, four, five, six.
1: It impacts greatly rushing success, as you mentioned, and it impacts greatly passing success. I mean, the root of your offense is your offensive line. You mentioned Greg little, he was drafting the second round back then. It would not have been shocking to me at all if Marty Herney had selected Greg little with the 16th overall selection. I mean, he basically built that draft class with a priority of exiting with Greg little. And he has just been a wasted pick so far. I mean, he, he missed so much of his rookie season. He was basically the backup tackle, during his second year, I mean, when you immediately go out and get a 32 plus year old Russell Okung to take the place of your second round pick and Greg Little, that it would be, it would be surprising to see that pick turned around. And then the one who's kind of waiting in the wings who might be a starter and they might lean on is, is Dennis Daly, but he missed basically all of 2020 after being a, a late round selection Um, in 2019. And look, maybe they bring back the likes of John Miller, who was on a one-year deal or Michael Schofield or so on and so forth. The point is they're not going in to 2021 with the same group of people they had in 2020. And it's for good reason because one, they weren't good and two, they 're also free agents so I mean that that is a core piece of any team of a winning team and they just have a ton of work to do uh, heading into the season for that
0: yeah about the only nice thing we can say is that it doesn't look like they're gonna be trying to get continuity with bad players okay let's fix right. some looks at like good guys and then move on from there at a minimum Josh what is your third team need and
1: why is it I'm gonna guess cornerback it's not cornerback oh okay I, I mean talk about it after after the team devoted so many resources I mean, the entire draft class, as you mentioned, leading into this episode to the defensive side of the ball, um, I when I picture winning franchises, it's not, you know, hulking up defenses. You know, you can have a few pieces over on that side of the ball that in those moments where a play is needed, they can create a game changing play. Right. And I think that they have those. I think they have that in a Brian Burns. I think they have that in a Derek Brown. I think they have that in a Jeremy Chen, even a Shaq Thompson and maybe even Dante Jackson, if you want to stretch it a little bit. So I think that they have enough younger pieces, playmaking pieces in that side of the ball, where you can kind of fill in the rest third wide receiver, third wide receiver on offense is more important to Joe Brady than a good tight end. Um, they ran obviously 11 personnel, 54% of the time last year, and they use them interchangeably. You know, it's not like, well, we're just going to stick DJ Moore at X, or we're going to stick Curtis Samuel in the slot or Robbie Anderson in the slot. They like to use these players all over the formation and allow them to win all over the field. And we saw that more than anything with Robbie Anderson last year, you know, basically changing the course of his career, the perception of him and how he was used where Previously with the Jets, he was just as vertical playmaker, high variance type. And last year he was extremely dependable between the numbers, shorter to the line of scrimmage, closer to the line of scrimmage after the catch. And he still had that ability to go deep when they would want Teddy, force Teddy to do something like that. You and I are chair members (laughs) of the Curtis Samuel fan club. It would, I would adore it. If Curtis Samuel is able to return. But Ian, let me ask you this. If you were Curtis Samuel, would you want to return? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook
0: app now and use promo code PFF to get your opportunity at a $1,000 deposit bonus. That's promo code PFF for new customers to get an opportunity at a $1,000 deposit bonus only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT or in Virginia, call 888-532-3500. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth Podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcast. They will provide the most interesting football conversations in sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of Insight this season. And now back to the podcast. No, why they misused him and to try to make him out to be a bust for the last four years finally in 2020 he got going but we both know Josh in 2019 with even a league average quarterback that dude could have cleared 1200 yards at a minimum and in, in 2017 2018 he was hurt look I don't want to disparage Cam Newton that's not late career Cam Newton with the Panthers that's not what I came here to do but you know Curtis Samuel was quickly coming up with his own set of quarterbacks that you know is right up there with your Allen Robinsons with your Andre Johnsons of the world where you just say sheesh man, because it's been that rough. Yes. I want Curtis Samuel back, but if I was Curtis Samuel, no, I'm going to green Bay or
1: something. Absolutely. And a team that brings in Curtis Samuel will do so with a plan in mind. I mean, it's, it's different than being drafted into an organization by one in general manager, switching offensive coordinators, head coaches, and then they kind of inherit you. No, a team that gives him a massive contract is going to be like, Oh yeah, you average like eight plus yards as a running back and then manufacture touches. Oh yeah, we can do that with you. Oh, you're great after the catch. Oh, you can win vertically and in your routes and create separation. And if Kyle Allen wasn't throwing you the football in 2019, you'd have 12 plus touchdowns. Yeah, that all sounds fantastic. So going back to the Panthers here quickly though. Yes. Curtis Samuel would be great. And I just am not sure if they're going to have three wide receivers that cross that what 12, 13 plus million dollar mark. And that'll happen sooner or later if you're re-signing Curtis Samuel and then obviously DJ Moore. Um, so one, I expect him to leave and going back to the point, it's not like you can just say like, Oh, we liked what Adam Humphreys did a few years ago in the slot. We can bring him in. No. Cause Joe Brady wants to use, you know, that spacing the versatility of his wide receivers. So again, that's more important than a tight end and his offense and having that group of three wide receivers is, is vital, I think, to the, his success
0: yeah and i mean look curtis is turning let's see 25 in august dj moore is going to be 24 here in the second week of april I mean, these guys are young robbie's the vet of the group and he's still only just turned uh or okay he's gonna be 28 in may but still i mean yeah give me three wide receivers the ian thomas thing it was a fun you know storyline last year but that's just clearly not what he's going to use in the offense whether right. it's curtis samuel or someone else let's go get another weapon for whoever is going to be this qb yeah i mean I, I don't disagree with going number three receiver over a cornerback you now as looking at kind of uh, salary cap devotion. But I think with the amount of rookies and younger guys they have there anyway, certainly fine with upgrading that number three spot. Josh, great stuff. We're going to kind of transition here to a little bit of 2021, uh looking ahead with the more fancy focused skill position guys. I, I was going to talk about Curtis Samuel here. I think we've kind of covered that Assuming Samuel takes his talents elsewhere, then how would you approach Robbie Anderson versus DJ Moore in 2021? Because personally, as good as Robbie was, I think DJ Moore is a much better real life wide receiver. I think he could be on the verge of blowing the hell up. And as good as Robbie is, I think DJ Moore is better. But can we
1: really project him to have more targets after what we saw last year? I think they're going to be very equal in targets. Um, I, I, I looked this up before we got going, and if my page will load, um, yeah, you had DJ Moore at about 7.9 targets per game last year. And then Robbie Anderson at eight and a half. Now we know Robbie opened the season, you know, more involved, but we've seen both have moments where they were getting 11, 12 targets per game. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's predictable in that way, but I think no matter what you can predict, both if they play 16 games or 17 games, whatever it's going to be to have very successful seasons. I mean, wide receiver two seasons. Now I thought last year with Joe Brady and how much this team was going to play faster, which didn't happen. And I think that there's a number of reasons for that, but how much they throw in neutral situations. I thought DJ Moore was going to finish the year top five in targets. Now we just covered it. None of us expected the role that Robbie Anderson was, was going to have. I agree with you. I, I think a tweet came out this weekend. Maybe it was from your employer that said that DJ Moore is the only player in the NFL with over 1200 scrimmage yards in each of the last two seasons in my head. I was like, that can't be right. And then I think I quickly fact checked, and I guess it is right. But, um, He's great. DJ Moore is great. What I wish that they did a bit more with him was use him in similar ways that Joe Brady used Justin Jefferson, because what DJ is still best at, he's a growing receiver in his game, but what he's still best at is just being an absolute hoss an absolute tank after the catch. And so those easier completions, they're still there. And they popped up here every once in a while, But then, you know, Curtis got his and Robbie got his and, you know, CMC is going to get his next year. So I I guess my long answer is it wouldn't shock me at all. If, you know, DJ Moore finishes as a top 12 wide receiver, maybe the number 12 wide receiver next year. But I think you can comfortably take both in wide receiver two, wide receiver three territory. And I think most of all, that just means if both play the full games, you're not going to get either one being maybe a top five, top seven wide receiver next year.
0: Yeah, I think that's very fair. Both wide receiver twos. And if there is going to be kind of a growing difference in their ADPs, you're going to want to have uh, the, just the lower drafted guy, because again, those targets should be very similar. I hope their roles are very similar. And you mentioned before how, you know, yeah, they moved the receivers all over the formation, but like seeing Robbie Anderson use these underneath areas was Great. shocking. I don't even, I think he can still, I think he can do everything. He can stretch the field. I think Donald couldn't really put it on him uh, when they're with the jets, but let's give those screens to DJ Moore because to your point, yeah, the guy's fantastic fantastic after the catch. In 2018, he led the league. Uh, Next Gen Stats has some some cool stats where they go uh, yards after catch per reception and then expected yards after catch per reception and you can see who actually had the largest difference. DJ led the league in 2018 and last year only, I mean, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, George Kittle, Justin Jefferson. Those are the only guys ahead of him. He's spe- pretty good Back players. <laughs> pretty good <laughs> players. There. I think we can all agree on that. Like he is truly spectacular with the ball in his hands. I remember, I think it was like the Falcons game. No receptions until like deep in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden gets a short drag. He's stiff arm and do out of bounds and making a contested catch downfield. I feel like he hasn't blown up, blown up yet. He's still 23 years old. Like DJ Moore could still be a top 10 receiver in the league. I
1: don't know if it'll be next year though. And I do think it's notable to say that 2020 might've been worst case scenario for this offense. I mean, with how much CMC missed with how, They had to play Teddy Bridgewater and then PJ Walker and a few other names. You know, I think it's safe to say that that is going to be worst case scenario that we got. And if that's the case, if you see Robbie or DJ's ADP dropping below of where they finished on a fancy points per game scale last year, go get them. Because we opened the show by talking about... Quarterback is a priority, how offensive line improvement is a priority. So just overall, this offense is going to be better in 2021. It has to be versus 2020 unless something catastrophically bad goes wrong.
0: And even in the kind of floor setting of the offense, we still had a very fancy relevant RB two for most of the season. And, yeah. you know, two wide receiver twos. And Curtis was usually kind of not wide receiver two, wide receiver three borderline. Josh, we have talked about Curtis, Robbie, DJ, how we're really not in on Ian Thomas or any tight ends here. Teddy need to move on from that. The star of the show, Christian McCaffrey, is there a single running back you were drafting ahead of him in points per in full point per reception formats in
1: 2021? Oh, that's a good question, Ian. Um, you have gotten me before I've completed a single draft. So far. <laughs> um, look, he is someone that takes care of his body to the utmost degree, um, who really values that aspect, and he talks about it in just about every interview. However, we see that this, and I, I'm not going to call it late career, there's even like mid-career examples recently of running backs getting through their second contracts where they hit this wall. I do not think he's going to, but I, and I want to pose a question back to you. Would you, would you get frustrated? Would you get angry at someone who's like, you know what? He missed all of last season. And in his absence, we saw the likes of Derrick Henry. We saw the likes of Alvin Kamara, We saw the likes of so many others, Dalvin Cook, be exceptional, um, any of those names or any other ones you might have in your head, Would you be willing to take them ahead of CMC? Would you be okay with it if someone came up to you and and gave that spiel?
0: Yeah, I guess – uh, CMC would be my 101, but it might be a situation now where we actually have for the first time in a while, like more of a four or five back RB tier at the top. And I'm with you. I've not done my first official best ball draft yet. So I was, uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in the same uh, same boat as you here with looking at these backs. But yeah, Derek Henry, we know we're not going to get the receptions that we need in full point per reception formats, even though the guy is a threat to obviously go for 2K plus. Uh, how is Alvin Kamara going to be without Drew Brees? That's a huge question. Dalvin Cook, I mean, even though last year he got more games. I think we we could all agree. He has higher injury issues than uh, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. How's he going to be coming back? Ezekiel Elliott, what's he even going to look like? I mean, I think with all those questions around surrounding the other backs, I'm more comfortable with McCaffrey, but yeah, it's, it's a conversation for sure, but I just think McCaffrey, I mean, somehow I know it's only three games. He averaged more PPR points per game last year than he even did in 2019 mm-hmm. when he nearly broke the damn record for it. A lot of that I think was just scoring six times in three games or whatever it was, but I don't think there's any reason to worry about his target numbers in this offense. Like correct. He's gonna be fine. Joe Brady's gonna make sure this dude finds the end zone a lot. He should be the engine. They have, you know, 64 million reasons. So they continue to feature him as
1: long as he is healthy. That was the point I was going to make because obviously, under Norv Turner and Scott Turner, it was a major emphasis. But again, in the three games he played last year, CMC averaged six point three targets. And then, you know, Mike Davis played the vast majority of games and starts. And he was still sixth in the NFL in terms of targets per game among running backs, only after Kamara, McKissick, Eckler, McCaffrey and Naeem Hines. And we never have thought of Mike Davis, as you know, as a supreme pass-catching talent, suddenly speaks to what McCaffrey's going to do once he's back reinserted in this offense. This discussion has made me go back to fully believing that Chris McCaffrey is the one-on-one because no one has really claimed that throne in his absence. No one really has. That's what it comes down to. And look, he's not going to get 142 targets again, but
0: he doesn't need it. He'll get, you know, probably over 100, and that's more than we need in fantasy land. Last thing, Josh, before we get a bold prediction from him, I was like a I don't want to say apologist, but I feel like not enough people appreciated what Mike Davis was doing last year. Like this dude mm-hmm. was shifty as all hell. He proved he could play on three downs. I know he's been a little bit of a journeyman throughout his career, but I hope he earned himself some more money elsewhere or a minimum. Carolina brings him back and kind of locks him in as that number two back. We can say running backs don't matter, but you know, just comparing him to the other running backs. So for saying nobody matters and trying to see who matters out of everyone that doesn't, I think Mike Davis might be a top. 20 running back in the league.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if I, you know, he probably will be paid like one because there are so many, you know, late round running backs who start in other teams, take him to Arizona, man, send, send him to the Cardinals who, you know, spent, I think like $8 million on Kenan Drake last year. I really like chase Edmonds, but I'm not so sure despite what fake sharp cliff Kingsbury says <laughs> that if chase Edmonds is going, like, I, I highly doubt that they just go into 2021 with chase Edmonds as the lead runner, but if they do, you know, his ADP of 90 right now is mouthwatering, yeah. but Mike Davis would be perfect there. We talked about, you know, running back receptions, he plays on passing downs and he creates yards on his own, you know, good running backs pick up the yards block for them. Great running backs, create yards on their own. And Mike Davis absolutely did that last year. Fake sharp cliff Kingsbury. Everyone absolutely love it. And I'm with you there, Josh,
0: Josh, again, March 5th. Do you have a bold free agency trade? even if, you know, draft or even just like a 2021
1: projection you'd like to share with us? I mean, this is going to be just circling back to where we started and extremely general, but maybe some of the specifics will bail me out here. But in the next two seasons, the Panthers will make a massive, massive move for quarterback. And they tried with Matthew Stafford. They will obviously try with Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. If that doesn't work, I don't think that they'll settle for, you know, a second rate passer on the market. Um, David Tepper knows that that is the key position to win. And more importantly, I think he knows that very little, if any players on the roster right now are unsacrificeable in order to get there are off limits. I think Christian McCaffrey is on limits. I think he'd be willing to trade Brian Burns, Jeremy Chen, Derek Brown, so on and so forth. Maybe the only player who might be off limits is DJ Moore and that's it. So hopefully those specifics bail me out because truly he will, I, I truly believe this team would be willing to move on from Christian McCaffrey to go get a Deshaun Watson. Or Russell Wilson, and maybe we have seen some weird trades where teams are like, "Oh yeah, we'll accept a lesser position, like running back, to upgrade another position." Maybe that would be able to do it because also CMC can be, and as weird as it sounds, a face of a franchise for another organization, and that that probably means something in the minds of the owners and the head coach and the general manager. Josh, great stuff. I. Sincerely
0: hope Deshaun Watson goes to Carolina Panthers. I know I ranked them fifth, but between us, I'm fine with him being number one on that list as well. Who needs him to go play with Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers. Let's get him <laughs> down to the Carolina Panthers. Why not? Fantastic stuff. Everyone make sure you follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Norris. Josh, you we were talking a little bit before. I'm not asking you to spoil anything, but you know, let people know where they can find throughout the off season, but, or it Ooh. might be a big announcement from you coming up, huh?
1: Yeah. Hopefully in the next two weeks, uh, you know, the last two months have been pretty fun not being, unemployed or not being employed, I should say. And uh, I'm hoping to remedy that fairly soon. So things are moving in a good direction there. Yes. So as soon as that happens, if you can support me at unknown location or unnamed location, (laughs) I would be fully appreciative Ian and your audience as well. Thank you so much.
0: Awesome. Yes. Everyone again, at Josh Norris on Twitter, and you're going to get plenty of NFL, plenty of fantasy football, plenty of Carolina Panthers specific, and Much to my jargon, Ashton Villa (laughs) updates throughout the day. He's Josh, I'm Ian. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. And I will say this once, up the villa.
1: Up the villa.